Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. On the show, you'll hear from President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau, and me, Jeremy Hickman. Sometimes we're even joined in the studio by the maestro himself, Aaron Collins. We're glad you're listening, so let's get going and find out what happens on this episode of Maestros On Air. Well, top of the day to you. I didn't say morning, afternoon, evening. What, what you don't know what time it is? <laughs> No, it's just part of my charm. Top of the day. That's my new thing. Oh, that's your new thing. Top of the day. Yeah. Our top of the day to you, Bill. Thank you. Aaron? Oh, you're going to introduce our special yes. guest? Yes. Aaron Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. We're just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, everybody. And I was going to say, Jeremy, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> yes, our esteemed <laughs> right producer uh, behind the... Uh, Behind the controls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, welcome everybody to season two of Maestros on Air. We're yes. back. <laughs> yes, we had a little hiatus, but we're back. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's nice to be back. And where are we? Actually, yeah, a lot of the new things with season two. We've got uh, some new parts of the program we're going to be introducing over the next few weeks. We actually have a new venue. Uh, we're actually here at uh, the Peak Velocity Studio. So uh, everybody's got a cup of coffee, a uh, comfortable chair somewhat. Bill, sorry, you've got the least comfortable chair in the place. But no, uh, that's, we're going to work on that for next time. That's fine. The coffee's great. It more than makes up for the chair. Trust me. Yes, it's a very nice studio. Acoustics are excellent. You've done a great job putting this together, Jeremy. Thank you. I'm happy to have you guys here. Uh, Aaron, we're happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Aaron, you Season sound good. Two. You sound good. Thank you very much. I know you said you don't feel so good. Your right. voice is kind of... Yeah, I'm, I'm losing know. my voice, but uh, I have... Uh, uh, Laryngitis? Whatever it is. A cold? I don't know what it is. It's a cold. I've just, I think just yelling at the musicians... <laughs> For a week's end uh, has really taken a toll on my voice. I know literally dozens of people all across the country that I work with that have all suddenly seemingly been hit hard with this, you know, comes on fast, they're, they're down for a couple of days, they finally get to feeling better, then they just, it kind of drags on with this kind of a... Don't feel too good. You got a kind of bit of a cough. You're, I mean, even me, I, I was sick about two weeks ago and as recently as yesterday afternoon, my throat was still hurting a little bit. I, I'm 95% everywhere else, but for some reason there's something lagging on. There's a new strain of bug this year, I think. But we're lucky we live in the great state of Florida because it's worse when you're up north when you have like these colds and things. So I don't think it's as bad down here. It's not. But I think you're right. It's a uh, it's a much different uh, virus than I'm used to. It's been three weeks for me. Yeah, and I know some other people have been in the same uh, boat. So well, that and uh, just I think there was a whole the whole all all the cars are covered with pollen. Yeah. So there's some dust. There's pollen. There's uh, the smell of smoke in the air. So there's all kinds of contaminants uh, contributing to uh, itchy eyes and scratchy throats. But nonetheless, we're here. So welcome to season two. And from what I understand, it was a great concert this past weekend. 
Yeah. yeah, where were you? I was unable to attend. I had all kinds of things. I have a list. Let's just say horses, horses, and more horses. How are the horses? They're very well, thank you. Shiloh and... Um, Jubal. Jubal. Like Jubilee? Yeah, Jubal. Well, I'm glad to hear that the horses are doing oh, so well. Oh, they're great. They're great. And believe me, the one has sinus problems. When a horse, you know how they go, and how they do that? Do that again? Yeah, I don't want to do it in the mic. Oh. It's deafening. I've had horses. I I actually grew up in uh, East Texas. I uh, know what it's like to feed the cows and feed the pigs and the chickens and the horses, but uh, 7 p.m. concert, normally not feeding the horses at 7 p.m., but... Oh, no, no, no. These, 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 are, these are very eccentric horses, You I don't guess. just feed a horse once a day, Jeremy, for goodness sakes. No, you feed, you mess with their hooves, you got to be out there when the furrier shows up, you have to take them out into the pasture, you have to break up horse fights, in my Wait case... Wait a second. Wait a second. You, you, you the furrier, you have uh, fur coats for these <laughs> the horses? Fair, the Furrier. Did I say furrier? Furrier. Okay. What kind of fur coats well, do they wear? I, I, I remember on a, a previous episode last year that we something about them wearing smoking jackets. Very uh, sophisticated yes, horses. Yes. One of them talks like Mr. Ed, doesn't he? Don't we need to like <laughs> rope it back in? See, horses roping, cowboy stuff. Don't we need to rope it back into season two here? This Whatever. past concert. Oh, yeah, this concert. concert you that missed we, it. It was a great concert. Well, I know, but let's talk a little bit about it. I mean, what a concert, from what I heard. And I just heard a little excerpt before the show. Oh, we do have somewhat of a little planning session every once in a while. So we're talking about it. And I thought, man, just from the little clip, what a show it must have been. I'm sorry I missed it, guys. Yeah, I mean, it was really a lot of different music, this concert, I think, more so than some of our other concerts. Well, one thing that was interesting, this was a jazz-centric show, which typically we'd uh, look to see Dr. Hennessy conducting, but this was a little different part of our Masterwork series, and you were actually uh, at the at the helm. Yeah, uh, the show itself is uh, part of our Masterworks concerts, and it's not uh, works written for jazz band, uh, it's symphonic works uh with jazz influences and uh, and i thought it was a great program um the audience that i got to talk to uh during and after the concert were all very excited about it uh and i think it highlighted some music that normally doesn't get performed too often we performed five pieces uh and uh, one being Leonard Bernstein's Prelude Fugue and Riffs. I thought that was a great uh, piece. It's short, it's concise, it's a little bit highbrow, and it's also a little uh, uh, down home. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. We did uh, Darius Mio's La Creation du Monde, uh, which is actually one of the first orchestral works that was uh, that incorporated jazz. And, and it's a very influential work and a very interesting work to hear. It was written in 1923, I believe. And uh, the influences that Mio was hearing in Harlem at the time, uh, he came over to um, from France to Harlem and just absorbed all these different uh, sounds from the jazz realm. And they come through in that piece uh, quite a bit.
was a mad scientist. Absolutely, and and it's just a it's a really fascinating piece of music. Uh, this is pre Gershwin we're talking about. That was a very complex piece too. It was. It yeah. It, it, I saw some sweat on the ground afterwards. Yeah, coming out of the temples of the people that were playing. Right. Most of it's the sweat from my body flying on the musicians. Really? After. Do they do they mind it or do they love it? They, they, they love it, don't they? Well, I mean, they're smiling. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. Yeah, so that's always no. a good sign. Um, but it is a very complicated piece. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a very complicated piece, and uh, and then the rest of the concert we had John Williams's Escapades from his film score, Catch Me If You Can. It's a very enchanting score, much different from the John Williams you know that we are familiar with with Star Wars, E.T., Jurassic Park. This one's a more introspective and a more intimate score, and it just is a really fun piece of music that featured a couple soloists like George Warmchuck on saxophone. Yeah, he sounded great on that. He's got a, he's got a great sound. He's, he's a, really, really He's a tremendous player and, uh, and a great guy to boot. And Gavin Pritchard on Vibes as well, who, who killed it. So we did Duke Ellington's Three Black Kings, which that was the title of the concert and kind of the centerpiece of the concert. Well, I think you forgot, uh, did you mention what I thought was the funnest piece was Desi? Right. There was Michael Doherty's Desi. Uh, and uh, that was a piece. Michael Doherty is is one of the most commissioned and one of the most performed living composers. And... Uh, his music just connects with the audience. He has a lot of pop culture references in his music. Uh, his music is influenced by classical, by uh, pop, rock, jazz, rap. I mean, it has it all. I met and, him. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Great guy, huh? Great guy. Yeah. And um, so that was a fun piece, and that featured Brian Raddick on bongos playing the part of Desi Arnaz. Yeah, you could tell he got into it. He was uh, he, he was in costume. 
he he did. He got he was, he was, in jumping, costume. He was jumping around. He was he had his accent going, and uh, <laughs> he hands it up as much as uh, uh, we allowed. And I guess we gave him free reign. He just came up to me and said, "What would you like me to do?" And I said, "Well, do whatever you like." And yeah, no, um, I loved it. I wasn't expecting it, and then uh, none well, of us were either. It was there great. was a lot of confusion on stage, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it turned out job. fun, and it's a fun piece. It, it it's job. all based on the famous conga, you know, bum 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 bum. You know, it has that conga running throughout the entire show. It's very savage, very. And then three black kings, yeah, which was the uh, the highlight of the show. That was the headline piece. It was, and it's uh, just a three-movement work. Uh, it was actually Duke Ellington's final work while he was laying in his deathbed. And uh, Yeah, which, by the way, you, you told that story in that part. I did not realize that it was his last piece, and interestingly, the, the piece covered death. Right. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, it was a, a tribute to Martin Luther King, and then also some other uh, uh, black kings like Balthazar and uh, King Solomon. So, um, but the final movement, you know, is just this gorgeous uh, gospel number that just builds and builds, featuring soprano sax, and it just is a, it's just a really beautiful piece. Uh, my mother. Uh, when I spoke with her a couple days after, she said, um, when they're rolling me down the hill in my casket, make sure they're playing that piece. Um, so That's I'll a great make compliment. sure that we, uh, we in, in, in we the far that. distant future. And the, yes, in the far distant future. Yeah. So that's a great um, compliment though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The audience, I think they really like that piece. I got a lot of really good feedback. Every time I think of a song, if I hear a song I really like or a meal that I really like, I ask myself, if I was getting the electric chair tomorrow, would I want that to be the last song that I heard or the last meal? And if you can say yes, man, you have something. What would be your last meal? I don't, I'm not sure, but um, I, I, I like so many. Any of you have a last meal? 
course, we didn't talk about this, so you're hitting me cold, but I guess I'm going back to what would be my traditional childhood comfort food, which would be a nice hearty meatloaf, Mm. uh, mashed potatoes and cream gravy, and uh, English green peas. Meatloaf as a comfort food? Really? Oh, that's that's what I grew up with. Well, that plus growing up in Texas, uh, you know, every day, all day, Tex-Mex, give me some enchiladas, some flour tortillas, a little salsa. You just asked the poor guy a question. Or he just volunteered. That that's his comfort, his favorite comfort meal, and I'm challenging it. Like like I don't I don't agree with it. That's what, anyway. How I, dare you, me, you say you drink water every day, sir? Are you kidding? <laughs> Eric, do you have one? I don't know. I, that's going to be a tough question for me. I, you know, I like to eat. You like so, to eat a lot. So that's why yeah. I, well, so, I don't know. So, it might so be hard I, to I, narrow I, it just, down. I just had this vision. He's in the cell. Might be they hard come to, to him I'm not with planning a menu. on killing anybody soon, so I'm not probably going to need that last meal right away. So, 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 so they come good. to him with the menu and say, this is going to be your last meal. What would you like? And I know his answer. He looks at the entire menu and says, one of each. That might be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one. It's nice each. to know, That's Eric. That's I'll have one of each. Lovely, in fact. Mine would be a cob salad. A cob salad, yeah. really? As yeah. a last meal? As a last meal. That's, That's not even a meal. It's it is. It's my favorite. It's but my it's, favorite meal. Well, see, there I go again, challenging somebody's you choice, you and are. I do apologize. There's nothing like that. a good cob salad. That's part of the your right charm. way, you know. Often they put too many things on a cob salad, but just give me the meat, cheese, egg, and you know, then of course bacon. What and kind of good. dressing goes on a cob salad? Well, it, it all depends. I mean, I typically have ranch or blue cheese on my cob salad. But that's a any good dressing, choice. Any dressing goes well with a cob salad. That's a good choice, and that's a good uh, point because a cob salad, uh, whatever dressing you put on, it all kind of it, it pulls changes. it together. Well, it also changes the yeah. you know. Uh, the taste of it. Okay, so it changes so, the taste. Well, of course, that's what dressing is meant for. <laughs> You're very perceptive this morning, though. <laughs> Nothing gets past you, does it? No. And, am I able to interject a name, a big corporate name, if I may, in my last meal? Because it does count. Sure. Okay. A Papa John's extra large pepperoni pizza. Huh. That there would you be go. your last meal? Yeah. Awesome. That's it. See, hmm. and I get an awesome, and I'm here. I am challenging everybody's <laughs> yeah. last meal. Did you work They're that out? With, uh, did you work that out with Peyton Manning, the I, Papa John's pizza? Or no, but that's work? a good yeah, question. Work? You think I, I may have? But you know what? No, I couldn't challenge you. Do you know why? Because you were picking one of everything on the menu. That's part so, of my right. charm. I was unable to challenge you. Yes, that's part of my charm. Yeah. Well, well, you mentioned that no one was challenging you. To to be fair, you said. Your last meal, you would pick a Papa John's pizza, which, disclaimer, I, I, we ordered Papa John's pizza last weekend at my house. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not down on Papa John's pizza, but I was thinking, last meal, that's really sad. So I was, I was really? really, I was really kind of just, I was kind of, when you said that, I didn't challenge you because I was befuddled thinking, you know, steak, lobster, you know, I want a nice bisque. You know, uh, I mean, even a Cobb salad, uh, it's, you know, it's got a little uh, interesting uh, dynamic Thank in there. You. But uh, but uh, I, what I would like is a soggy piece of bread with some, you know, sliced pepperoni on top. Oh, pepperoni. Gee, I just, you just packed my Twinkie. <laughs> Twinkies. <laughs> Hello. Oh, now that's good. <laughs> I haven't had one of those for a while. So just you? to get back to Three Black Kings. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a really great program, and uh, and you don't get to hear these type of programs too often. It was a, a these pieces don't get performed um, in Florida too often. So I like that we got to do that program. I know the musicians enjoyed it, and uh, I and I think our audience uh, really enjoyed it as well. So. Did you pack the house? Not quite, but uh, we had a good crowd for both concerts and uh, a very enthusiastic crowd. Well, yeah, people good. really seem to enjoy it. I like it when they get up and start dancing in the seats. It does happen sometimes. Yeah, I know. Well, shame on me for not having the schedule in front of me, but uh, we talked about the the jazz-centric theme there as part of the, the Masterwork series, but uh, when are we going to see the traditional uh, jazz symphony come back uh, with Dr. Hennessy conducting? Sure. Uh, we're actually going to have them back in the beginning of July. Okay, so, so not next, too far away. Not too far away. Um, we haven't announced next season yet, and I'm sure we'll have a show in the next you know month or two that will highlight our next season. Um, but um, our hopes next season are to have a jazz concert every other month. So from July um, through June, we'll have a, a jazz program every other month. So that's going to be very exciting. Right, because the audience, they like the jazz. They love jazz. And and, and it's a whole different realm and, and a whole different uh, genre of music we can uh we can really highlight. We don't necessarily always have to do the standards in jazz too. There's a lot of great pieces that are uh, that are written for jazz bands, and uh, and we hope to highlight those. Or, or what uh, you know. So again, I, I, th I think what I heard embedded in your answer was no reading ahead. We're going to announce the new season. Everything is under wraps till then. So if I look back to the last season, one of the things I liked about. Uh, uh, the couple of jazz concerts that I went to is they took uh, basically traditional pieces that you would hear, but they did alternate arrangements mm -hmm. using instruments uh, playing parts that you normally wouldn't. So it's so it was it was familiar yet different, which I thought was very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, many of the jazz standards have you know twenty to thirty arrangements out there of them by all these great arrangers. So there's so many different options as far as programming goes. So that's kind of the fun, fascinating thing about uh about jazz itself i mean in 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 symphonic music you don't get uh too often where you have different arrangements of beethoven's you know fifth symphony you have beethoven's <laughs> right. fifth symphony um but whereas in jazz you you know you have satin doll by duke ellington but it could be you know reimagined yeah hundreds <laughs> of times by many <laughs> different but played on timpani instead yeah I don't know if you guys know this. Oh, I'm being a little facetious. We are in the midst of greatness, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, can we have a drum roll, please? <laughs> I, was, given that I don't know what's coming up, uh, sure, let's go with a drum roll. It was announced that our very own Aaron Collins was the recipient of the Richard A. Stark Award. Congratulations, Aaron. Thank you. This is not an award I'm familiar with. I believe they give it out in Indian River County. I know you're very modest and don't want to talk about it, but again, you were given the award. So if you can explain for me and others in the audience, what is the award and uh, what's the basis for you receiving this award? Yeah, it's a uh, presented by the Indian River Cultural Council. Uh, they present uh, the Laurel Awards every single year. Uh, this particular award is for cultural leadership. Uh, so people within the community that are 
out there uh, doing good in the community, in the cultural arts sector. And um, it, it's just a great honor for me to uh, to receive this award. There's been only a few recipients before me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm always honored when I receive awards. I mean... Uh, I don't deserve them necessarily. There's a lot of work that happens around me and I get to take a lot of the credit, but um, it's always great to uh, highlight uh, uh, the Space Coast Symphony and all the other organizations that I get to work with. And you know what? In a strange kind of way, I think we all, as part of this organization, feel uh, like we're, I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf of these guys, but I'm saying I'm very proud to be a part of this and it means a lot to me too. Thank you. You can hold the award. Okay, great. Yeah. So, is there an actual award? <laughs> oh yeah, there. I'm. I'm pretty sure there's an award. You like a trophy? Like a trophy? Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, in the like past, Super Bowl in trophy. the past, they've given us trophies. Or so, did they give you like a coupon for a free Papa John's pizza? That too. <laughs> when, like I was a Super Bowl trophy. when I was on Double Dare, you know what I, you know, are you familiar with that show Double Dare? Um, yes. Yeah, you yeah. were on Double yeah. Dare? Yeah. It's been a while since really? Nickelodeon, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Really? Yeah. Did you get slimed? No, I didn't. I didn't even make it out of like the first, you know, I didn't even get to go on any of those obstacle courses or anything like that, unfortunately. Where was that out of Orlando? Was that? Yeah, it was yeah. in Orlando when where it was filmed. But um, I got... One pack of Jello pudding <laughs> as my, as my reward. Your, yeah. That was That's what nice. they get. Jeez. I mean, it was literally one. It wasn't even a box. It was just one pack. Here is what you get for making it out of this round. So know? it's Flavor about time you get a real, you know, an honest to God it, award. What, what it, it's what nice that I've got. A, it was chocolate. Oh, chocolate. That's a good thing. Yeah. So for the, those of you listening that want to make it up to Aaron, you can send a case of Jello pudding to the following address: <laughs> PO Box two three seven six four six Cocoa, Florida Eric, three two nine two three. I think he was kidding. What? <laughs> no, Eric's actually reading the address. Well, here's you, the address. Hey, hey you, you know why Eric gave that address? Because he's the one who checks the PO box. He wants the pudding. I'm there every, I guarantee you, I'm there no matter every what day. gets sent, Aaron, you're never going to see the Jello. You know, it's a federal he, offense to open somebody else's mail, don't you, Eric? Well, they usually don't just say a Space Coast Symphony. They usually doesn't say you're on the okay. so he, He's right. already putting up his legal defense here. <laughs> Remember, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. So. Jeez. <laughs> they had an O.J. Simpson special last night. Yeah, it was that? pretty good. On Dateline. No, I didn't good. see it. Did yeah. they bring up the knife, the new knife thing? Uh, it was part of the story, but it was mostly kind of just a review of, you know, over the last 20 years and then the case itself and, and some of the cracks in the case. I thought it was a really... Uh, it was good. It was such an interesting story um, and something that there's uh, a lot of nuances in it. Um, I remember where I was. I think most people do is one of those instances it's where very gripping back in the I 90s. was in my kindergarten classroom. Where were you? I was in, I was w kindergarten classroom. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I was working. I was with a place called Photo. I'm trying to remember the Photomax, those little booths <laughs> no. where you can't go to the bathroom. No, not Photomax. I worked for a photo lab anyway. I can't remember the name of it. Proto protocol. Anyway, so I was with Protocol, and I remember seeing on the TV uh, live the, the, at the, the Bronco, the white Bronco, with all these cops in L.A. And here I was, in my mind, I was in the center of the world uh, working on these photographs. 
And it's just really weird. In this place that I worked at, you just felt like they had this incredible dark room. And anyway, when I saw the OJ thing, it kind of distracted me. And I ended up going in the dark room and I wasted a $600 plus roll of film. Fuji film was wasted because of the OJ Simpson. I'm sure the. Uh uh, owner of the, of the film didn't appreciate that too and, much. Oh, I didn't get fired, but I completely wasted an entire roll of film due to O.J. Simpson being chased on the L.A. freeway. That's my claim to fame. It's good. It's not much of a claim to fame. <laughs> so just, just, just to show that uh, everything in life is connected here, I remember where I was. It was uh, many years ago, but I was in. I was living in the Dallas Texas area, and I had gone to lunch and was enjoying a pizza buffet. Are you serious? Oh. <laughs> yep. And uh, it came on, and everybody. Uh, Are you talking suddenly, about the verdict or the Bronco? Uh, this was the ver- this was the verdict. Yeah, yeah, the verdict. Verdict. Oh, he was talking ver- about. He I was, was talking, talking about, the, about the breaking news. Oh the my Bronco. god, they're down, driving down that. That whole case was breaking news. I think everyone was. was watching it, was it every day. It, I mean, that, that case invented twenty-four uh, hour breaking news. Yeah, it was, yeah it really the did. non-breaking news, basically. Yeah, was I was actually big. eating too during the verdict. I remember that. I was at a Gators dockside over in Deland or something with my ex. At the point, at that time, my future wife. Anyway, now she's ex ex now. Notice we're not even asking Eric if he was eating at the time. It's just assumed. I probably was eating. <laughs> well, yeah. So, anyways, thank goodness he's in jail. So, the Stark Award, uh, it's a big honor, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm excited about it. I like how you brought that back. It's, it, it's a full circle. That's a real talent, you know, to be able to do that. It is. Bring it back. It's, you're so talented. Well, we, we can get off a little, you know, off basic few times here. So, Well, Just, why don't we, uh, we talk about the fact that this is our first show of season two. We're going to be introducing a few new things over the course of the season. But the first thing we're going to introduce is, is a piece of the week. We're going to take a piece of music and uh, have a little bit of a discussion about that piece of music. And then we'll play it for you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I might learn something. That's You're good. not going to learn anything this week. <laughs> no, I mean next week when we have the piece of the week, I might learn something. Yeah, but That's this good. week you're not learning anything. Well, I know that. <laughs> that's, that's quite obvious. <laughs> I thought it would be good for our audience to take a listen to uh, a bit of Danny Elfman. Uh, some people have some questions about what is Serenata Schizophrena? Um, what does this mean? And it, it may have caused a little confusion. It's, a, it's the name of Danny Elfman's piece of music. Now, if you don't know Danny Elfman, uh, he's a very uh, quirky character. I mean, he is almost like a character from a Tim Burton movie. He's, uh, there's, he's got this dark, gothic appeal. And uh, he's just a really fascinating, intelligent, and, and just uh, writes this incredibly uh, gorgeous music. Um, so I thought it would be cool to listen to one of his film scores. Um, we have two film scores I think we're going to uh, highlight here. Oh, wait, I am going to learn something. Oh, that's good. That's, that's nice, Eric. The first one being from uh, Tim Burton's film, Edward Scissorhands. And this is a track called Ice Dance. And this is, uh, uh, gives you kind of a feeling of uh, Elfman on a whole. It's a beautiful track. So here is uh, Danny Elfman's Ice Dance.
I love an unseasonable snowfall. Yes, don't we all? That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, so uh, Danny Elfman, I mean, there's a lot of weirdness and wonder in his music. Here's another track from him, uh, if we can. Um, this is uh, from his film score uh, to Beetlejuice, which is one of my favorite movies. It's probably Mike. one of his most famous pieces, actually. Uh, uh, he's got so many famous yeah, well, pieces. Batman. Batman. Pee-wee Herman. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, yeah. Pee-wee Herman. So many things. I mean, he's he's done it all. I mean, there's so many great scores out there. Um, but this is a great theme. It, it's, it's just weird, goofy, and uh, just in your face. I love it. So uh, this is the main titles to Beetlejuice. Danny Elfman, uh, Beetlejuice, which, by the way, the, the those two pieces, uh, more contrast between the two uh, would be difficult to find, uh, but very interesting. Menacing, yet happy. Yeah, it's got a great tuba part, so there you go. Well, you'd love that. I do love of that. Of course. Of course. The range that he has in the, the different pieces that he writes, although they, they, they have a common thread. They're all kind of... Uh, interesting in their tonality and uh yeah one one thing you can say about his music i mean he has a distinct voice um so i mean you can really tell when you're listening to something by danny elfman in the film music world uh, often uh you need to be a chameleon within the within there uh, to uh, fit the you know fit the film and kind of adapt to any style now danny elfman does that but directors seek Danny Elfman styled. Yeah, we talked a minute ago actually about John Williams, and uh, if you think of some of his more rousing pieces, uh, you know, Star Wars as an example, but then contrast that with Stanley and Iris or Sabrina, or I mean, any of his you know uh, more intimate scores. There's so many of them, um, but he uh, with John Williams as well. You can still tell it's John Williams. He has the sound, the John Williams sound we call it, and Danny Elfman's the same way. So. Um, it's just really uh, fantastic music. So, a little about Serenata Schizophrenia, um, the piece, and uh, I think there's uh, the audience is going to really love it. If they love Danny Elfman's film music, they're going to love it. If they're not familiar with Danny Elfman's film music, they're going to love it. Um, a little about the piece. It's um, it was it's his first concert work. This is a symphony in essence. It's about a forty five minute um, piece. It's in seven movements, and uh, it's uh, it's very fascinating. Um, he's got a lot of influences: um, Bernard Herrmann, Nino Rota, Alex North in the film music world. 
Bartok, Stravinsky, Prokofiev, Orff, um, early Duke Ellington. There's a lot of um, composers that influence them. Harry Parch, Philip Glass. Um, and uh, it's kind of, in his words, a musical gumbo of uh, his stylings. So it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge of pieces. Um, but each piece kind of highlights different sections within the orchestra. It's almost like a concerto for orchestra. So the first movement is called uh, Pianos. So it's two dueling pianos uh, set within this uh, Danny Elfman tonal world. Then there's a thing called a brass thing, a movement called a brass thing, which features the brass. And, and there's a lot of just a lot of fun things going on in the symphony. So um, we're very excited to present this piece. And I know the audience is going to love it. Somebody else is going to have to take care of the horses that day because I am going. I'm serving notice right now. I will be there. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think the audience is going to like it. What are the other movements? You got the pianos and the brass. What are the other movements? There's one called Blue Strings, um, which kind of features uh, the strings. Uh, there's also uh, a movement called Quadrupled Patrol. Um, there's a movement called I Forget, which is actually features a uh, female soloist, um, soprano, and it's it's just a really fun piece. One called Bells and Whistles, and then one called End Tag, which is kind of this, uh, just kind of uh, in typical Elfman fashion, a, a fun way to end the piece. So there's a lot of good things that are that are happening in this mu- in this music. I had to hold my tongue when you were talking about the different pieces. When you got to I Forget, I, I almost uh, jumped into a Abbott and Costello, who's on first style. <laughs> no, 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 really. What's the name of the piece? I Forget. You know? Yeah, good. that's good. But here's an interesting thing about that particular concert is there is another unveiling of a piece of music. Aaron, perhaps you would be well suited to discuss it. Yeah, this is a first for the orchestra, um, and that's them performing a work of mine. Um, for years, uh, our audience members know, I mean, they know that I'm a composer, um, but I've, I'm not a big fan of highlighting my own music um, with the orchestra, and I, I still am not a fan of that. Um, I want to use the orchestra as a vehicle to highlight other composers. Um, and um, so they've been asking and asking. And uh, finally this year, I thought it would be a good opportunity to do it on this concert um, since Danny Elfman is uh, such a big hero of mine. Actually, no Danny Elfman. Um, Didn't you study with him? <clears throat> yeah. As as well, maybe the audience would be interested in because you've told the orchestra that story. Maybe uh, yeah. So when I they was might a, like to hear that when I was a kid, I, about I would say about eleven years old, um, I uh, I was writing letters to all my favorite composers. So I wrote like a hundred handwritten letters, you know, and said, "This is what I love about your music. I want to meet you. I want to be you." You know, uh, it was very uh, uh, it was very uh, stalkerish type letter for a 12 year old. I like it. Um, but yeah, I did that. So, you know, I was, I wrote these letters, sent them out and only about six composers wrote me back or made a note. And I still have a lot of those notes and he was one of them. And he said, he said, next time you're in LA, now I'm 12 years old. Next time you're in LA, uh, just give me a call. Uh, and here's my number, and I'll I'll give you a tour of the studio. So how cool is that? 
so I got this letter back, which sa- stated this, and my mom put me on the plane the next day. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is yeah, great. Yeah, please, line, please tell so. me, do, do you still have that the letter? That is so neat. That you, you should have that framed in your oh, office. Oh, the letter from him? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I have all, all the letters that the composers that were kind enough to write me back. And um, so... Uh, my mom put me on a plane and I mean, she didn't, I mean, of course she, she was there. Um, she didn't just say, Aaron, good luck in LA. Pinned a, a, a little baggie with a sandwich in right, it to your exactly. hotel. So I, uh, <laughs> I called him next a ba- day. A baggie. I called him next day uh, when, when I was there and he thought that was the funniest thing ever, you know? You know, as well, a composer, you with a baggy on your shirt. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Jeremy was kidding about that part. I think he was. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but Go you on. you would expect them to contact you at you know down the road, but the next day. So he was really fond of that. I got to meet him, and uh, so and, you said studio. I mean, was he was his uh, was he working at a film studio at the time, or no? He has his own personal okay. studio. Um, he's. You know, he was a composer, I mean, a, a singer with the band Oingo Boingo. Are you familiar with Oingo Boingo? Yeah, I am. He I, was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, he's the lead singer of Oingo Boingo. It's a dead man's party. It's a dead, weird science. Uh, wow. You can only make me laugh. I mean, there's so, so many great die, tracks. To live and die in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, Oingo Boingo um, is an awesome group. So, um he he's got a beautiful studio. He's married to Bridget Fonda. Wow, that's another unknown fact. Um, and uh, he's just the man. So he was kind enough to let me uh, come and uh, see everything he was doing. And well, you, and we kept buried, in touch. You buried the lead here. Did you get to meet Bridget Fonda? Of course. Ah. Well, Danny, I mean, to me, <laughs> Danny kidding. Elfman is my Bridget Fonda. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, so. Yeah, it was just a really great experience, and uh, and we still keep in contact, and he's just a terrific guy. So, and another Oingo Boingo story in college, in our, you know, we used to have these parties. Was keg- it a dead man's party? No. They didn't call them raves back then. No, no, no. It was just a keg party in our apartment, and, uh, you know, there's all, the soundtrack usually for these parties is usually like a rap album or, you know, greatest hits of, you know, uh, the, the top hundred pop songs. It's usually mostly hip hop and rap that we're playing, but I would always stick an Oingo Boingo CD in the, uh, in the mixer, particularly just a couple of their select songs in the uh, CD tray. So in this party where there's hundreds of people, hundreds of people, you know, partying and drinking, dancing to, you know, LL Cool J, all of a sudden, Oingo Boingo would come on, and everyone would be looking around. <laughs> That's great. What in the hell is going on here? And it was always great. I always got a kick out of just standing there, going, "Yeah, this is awesome." That so, is cool. Yeah, I like that. So that's another uh, fun little story. You know, it I reminds me. I think it was uh, was it High School High it was like a spoof movie. Yeah, yeah, which where, I love. It's right where, where they were where they were, had a party and they were playing like say hip hop music, and then he gets out his disc and puts on Glenn Campbell. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, in this case, Oingo everybody turns and pays Oingo, attention. Oingo Boingo's cool, though. I mean, that's, that's Glenn Campbell oh, yeah. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but I mean, no one but knew who Oingo Boingo was. was. But it was just, you know, it was just an immediate reaction where everyone's dancing and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, it, you know, it only makes me laugh comes on and... 
And uh, everyone's like, what in the world? What is this sound? So I, I, I thought that was a lot of fun. So now, has this uh, carried over into your composing style? Are you uh... No. No, I mean, um, so I decided to write a piece on this concert. I thought it would be appropriate. And um, so this particular piece, um, what I wanted to do, I had two, I guess, directions I could have gone. I could have wrote something that, was inspired by Danny Elfman or my work with him, or um, or I could write something that was a contrast to that piece. So I decided to go the route of a, of the contrast because his piece is large; it has everything. It has the kitchen sink, so to speak, um, and it's uh, just in your face. It's a big work, lots of musicians. So what I decided is I wanted to write a much smaller work. So, um, this work is um, more chamber-like, and it's more intimate, um, and it features much smaller forces. In fact, it only has a flute, an oboe, a clarinet, a bassoon, a French horn, and strings, and a trombone as well. So, it's a very small element of instruments uh, within... uh, Um, for the work and it's a short symphony so it's a symphony in one movement and it's in four different sections and it's very rhapsodic it's uh uh, my music's fairly tonal so i think the audience will appreciate it and and enjoy it and uh, we'll see i mean i don't know they may boo it but um i'm looking forward to it but it'll be personally you know at least they'll get what they wanted and uh you know get to hear a piece of mine and and it's an honor that the orchestra will perform it so there I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a nice contrast the small piece against the big piece yeah, I think, I think, be a nice I think so too I think so too because the Elfman I think will be such an overwhelming piece for the audience I mean it's just sound and com- you know coming out right at you um, so this, this piece is going to be nice and it'll also will feature a lot of the principal musicians of the Space Coast Symphony. When I was writing it, um, I wrote it between December and February, maybe. And when I was writing it, I was thinking of some of the musicians in the orchestra. So, of course, Carrie Mormon, Jennifer Royals, Kristen Nigus, Jennifer Gray, Colleen Lee. I mean, there's a lot of people that I was thinking about when I was writing the piece. So it, it will highlight them as well. So you wrote this between last December and this February? Yeah, right after Christmas is when I began. Huh. That explains a lot. I don't know what that means, but uh, (laughs) my lack of sleeping, is that what's... No, I mean, where's Aaron? Where is Aaron? Where is he? What's he doing? Yeah. He's decomposing. That's what he's doing. (laughs) Decomposing. (laughs) This is good. So, uh, you know, you're saying you're going to play your piece uh, after the Elfman piece? No, actually, it's going to be on the first half. So, on this concert, we have the Elfman, and then um, that will be on the second half. That's about a 45-minute work. And then on the first half is going to be my piece, and then also... Um, on that concert is a concerto competition winner, and that's the young violinist Tomas Lopez. So, you're going to bring everybody in, uh, make them feel comfortable, 
get them in their seats, and then the second half, you're just going to overwhelm them with the Danny Elfman. We're going to assault them with the Elfman. <laughs> no, you know what? They're going to love. I mean, the Elfman is so accessible. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, the gothic sound and the dark sounds, but his music is tonal in essence, and and it's fun. And I think and the you've audience, got a lot, a lot of small pieces too, so it's not going to be this long, ongoing. No, each movement piece, yeah. is, is fascinating in, in, in its own right. So uh, you know. Uh, our audience, I think, is used to our formula of new, you know, promoting and and performing new music. I think they they get that, they love it, and uh, so I'm not I'm not too concerned about you know. I've rarely ever been concerned with that thinking. Is this piece uh, too much for our audience? Um, so right, and that's coming up this next weekend. Uh, that's coming up on March 19th and 20th. Right. Okay. I will be there. Great. So yeah, back to Tomas Lopez real quick. He's a young violinist. He's the concertmaster of uh, Satellite Beach High School. And he's also a member of our educational uh, program called Quartet Movement, which I think we'll talk about on another show, um, which is a really wonderful educational program. I'm slowly starting to lose my voice and slowly starting to sound like, uh, you know, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> no, you, you don't You don't sound like Rosie O'Donnell. Is that not? No, you don't have no. to worry about that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so uh, Tomas is going to perform the Brook Violin Concerto. And, oh, that's a big, that's big for a kid. Yeah. Uh, well, he's more than just a kid. He's a really talented um, player. He's going to go far in the musical world. Um, and I'm just very proud to highlight him. And I know the whole orchestra has seen him grow from a little child to to where he is now. So we're all very proud of where what he's doing and where he's going. This is nice. And this is going to be an important concert. We have three very distinct but uh, you know important things going on during the concert. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great program that our audience is going to gravitate to. He's a good kid, and, too. I like him. Yeah, like he is. He's a sweet yeah. kid. And um, so I'm really uh, hopeful that we have a, a large turnout for this concert because um, it's an important kind of concert for us. Yeah. Well, in the few minutes that we have left, uh, obviously that's the upcoming concert, but we've got uh, a couple of more things before the end of the season. Obviously, we've got the new season coming up. We'll, before too long, uh, dedicate an entire show just to the new season, but for now, that stuff's under wraps. Uh, but what do we have that's uh, going to round out the season? Well, we have... First off, before uh, I talk about that, there's an opportunity for our patrons to help with this piece that Aaron is um, composing. They can be part of the commission of the piece. And you can be part of musical history and be part of the uh, commission of the piece. We have, I think, 10... Um, That's not overstated. I don't know about <laughs> musical history. I was doing that all weekend. <clears throat> oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> you can be a history. part of musical history. You got Eric off track. I was doing that all weekend. And then the... Um, I think we have 10 uh, commissioners so far, so there's always yeah. room for more commissioners. So just a little brief explanation on what a commission is. Um, composers are um, contacted by an orchestra or a person or an artist um, to uh, write a piece of music. Now, um, they have fees for writing that piece of music, so the money goes to them. Um, to them for uh, writing this piece. Now, in my case, the money's going to the symphony and a little to me, um, and uh, and it's 
it's a big daunting task to write a piece of music and but you kind of get uh you're a part of that piece as eric mentioned i don't know about history but in my case but a part of uh this this um project your name is on the score uh and you've contributed to seeing this piece come off the ground so I right, it's really be, quite an honor i may want to be a commissioner you deserve to be a commissioner I think I want to be a commissioner. How uh, big of a check are you going to write? I don't know, but I, but I may want to be a commissioner. <laughs> so there's several different levels from what I understand, Eric. Is that correct? Yes, there are several different levels that you can uh, be a part of. So what you want to do is write a big check. You want to send it to the post office box along with the chocolate pudding to uh, P.O. Box 237646, Cocoa, Florida, 32923. Or you can call the Symphony Hotline, 855-252-7276. And <laughs> with the there chocolate you have it. pudding. Well, you know, That's it'd, so it'd be funny. a bonus, a big check and the chocolate pudding. Yeah. Yes. So yes. they get a lot of things in return for doing this. They'll get a framed copy of the score. Um, they'll get some CDs of my chamber music. Um, so there's a lot of um, benefits in participating in the commission. So it's just not, here's money, get to hear the piece. There's uh, some reward, I guess. Um, and I think there's one where you donate a certain amount, they get to have dinner. Yes, I believe that's true. Hmm. It'll be epic. Yeah, so I'm hoping that many people donate $1,000 so I can just have dinner for <laughs> several weeks. <laughs> Get a couple of months worth of dinner out of, out of right. a new piece. Right. I love well, it. Well, no, I, I think that would be great because you get an opportunity to talk to um, your supporters, your friends. I mean, to be frank, our, our audience is very much like family. I mean, we see each other all the time. Um, we're out, and we, we it's almost like, you know, in cheers at the bar. It's like a family. It's yeah. It is. Exactly. Everybody knows your name. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It is. Recent example from uh, this uh, past concert uh, this weekend. You know, during intermission, uh, obviously you went out to the back when you were coming back through. Uh, you could not make it. Uh, you know, more than a row or two going through the audience without having to stop and uh, say hello to somebody. You knew everybody by name that you stopped and spoke with. So there, there is very much a core audience that both comes to almost all of the concerts, but also is very active in the organization and, and people, yeah. people know each other. So that's a, that's a very positive thing. And I think no. our patrons really appreciate that when you go out and talk to them. Yeah. I think it's, it, it, it's what separates us from a lot of uh, groups. I mean, cause in the past I remember going to concerts and it was like, uh, it was like the white ivory tower that you can't get to that was on stage, you know, you, yeah, very antiseptic, right? So there was a discord between what the people on stage and the audience, I mean, they're, um, but, just getting to know them on a personal level, it makes all the difference in the world. You're invested even a little more, and it makes the whole experience itself a little more exciting. Well, it comes back to the entire theme of the symphony for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was just sitting here in my mind thinking about the Just Getting to Know You song. Yeah. While you were speaking, I was singing Just Getting to Know You in my mind mm -hmm. while you're talking. Yeah. Well, interesting, after our hiatus, we came back, we were talking about the new things we're going to interject into the show this season, uh, and we were wondering a little bit of, okay, what are we going to cover? Uh, we've got an hour to go over a few things, and we weren't quite sure if we were going to have enough content, but yet the hour has uh, 
flown by. And so we have just a I couple of minutes left. Doubt. You were never in doubt, true. I knew we'd have plenty to talk about. In fact, we got some things that we didn't even have a chance to get to. We'll, we'll talk about those next week. We've got a few new uh, surprises, a few segments we're going to be introducing over the next couple of weeks. But as we're wrapping up, I want to cover two quick things. One, let's talk about the couple of other upcoming concerts to round out the season. Eric? Oh, after the Alfman uh, uh, extravaganza, we have the uh, Whiff and Poofs coming up. The Yale Whiff and Poofs are going to be coming, that's uh, what, Aaron, April 1st and 2nd? April 1st and 2nd, yeah. A uh, little about the Yale Whiff and Poofs are uh, America's oldest a cappella group. They've been featured on television, they've be feature, been featured in movies, and uh, our audience may be familiar with the Spizwinks, who we've brought over the last few years. Whiff and Poofs are the graduate, not the undergraduate, but the graduate level of um, singers, and they are just amazing amazing and entertaining funny um the audience is going to love them so the concert's selling fast we encourage our audience to get their tickets now um because tickets won't be left by april 1st and 2nd it's going to be a sellout and uh and uh we're very excited to bring them here and and highlight their terrific um these terrific young men yeah in fact the whiffen poofs the Whiffenpoofs make the Spizwinks look like a bunch of Spizwinks, in <laughs> my, in my <laughs> humble opinion. You're a Spizwink. Yep. So that's on April 1st and 2nd. And then uh, later in April, we have our um, uh, Masterworks program, Bach, Mozart, and Haydn. Uh, kind of a departure from us. You normally hear us play a lot of uh, romantic and post-romantic music. Uh, so this is a concert that's going to feature three giants in in classical music and uh and it'll be a great program that's gonna be very exciting yeah so that's what we have upcoming well the hour has whizzed by uh but we do have one new thing we need to introduce as we mentioned we've got uh, new segments uh new pieces to introduce to the show uh one thing we're going to do in the spirit of the symphony for everyone uh what kind of a show would we be without some sort of audience participation uh cash and prizes no wagering please uh we're going to have a question every week uh posed and the first person to correctly answer the question will receive a set of tickets. We're going to let Aaron Collins pose our first question of the week. Sure. Since we have Danny Elfman uh, as the highlighted artist next week, figured we'd ask a Danny Elfman-oriented question. Now, um, I mentioned earlier Danny Elfman is largely associated with Tim Burton. In fact, he's scored all of Tim Burton's films except one. There's only one Tim Burton film with a composer that is not Danny Elfman. So your task, well, if you choose to accept it, is to uh, get back to us. Who uh, is the composer and what is the film? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd like to field that question. Oh, it's for the audience. Till, yeah, but that's okay. a tough one. All right, I'll shut up. So how are people going to get their answers to us, Jeremy? Uh, yes, we will receive answers at the following email address. Contact at maestrosonair.com. That's contact at maestrosonair.com. By the way, uh, depending on how you get to this particular podcast, perhaps through the Symphony website, uh, perhaps on iTunes, uh, one way is you can go directly to maestrosonair.com and listen to the show directly from the website.
Well, that does it for another episode. Thanks for joining. I'm Jeremy Hickman. And I'm Eric Lee. I'm Bill Trudeau. And I'm Aaron Collins. Reminding you, as always, we'll see you at the show. This has been Maestros on Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Episodes are available at the iTunes Store or at maestrosonair.com. Maestros on Air is recorded at the Peak Velocity Studio in beautiful Brevard County on Central Florida's Atlantic Coast. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show.